up our series on building great families without losing your mind, that does not mean you can stop working on your family. Amen? Okay. That does not mean you can stop working on your family. Amen? Okay. This is uh, next to your relationship with God. This is the most important thing, and those two are actually connected uh, in, in our lives. Um, so let's uh, do our message together. Uh, there we go. Hey, uh, so uh, I hope you, you've all got this memorized now. I can blank this and you can all say it. <laughs> no, okay. So let's, let's say it together. Follow God's example as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God, Ephesians 5, 1, and 2. Uh, so with small groups starting up, I do need to let you make you aware of something, and uh, that is when some of our small groups are doing sermon-based kind of things where you kind of go over the sermon, which is a great way to do it, uh, really great way to do it. Um, so, uh, and, but we put those on our, our uh, webpage, generationscommunity.org. So if you have a small group uh, that's meeting and you're, doing, you're going over the sermon, you can go there and you can get both the notes that we make available to you and you can get starter questions for your life group so that you can talk about that. So I just wanted to make you aware of it. So this morning, uh, what we want to talk about is uh, why the church is important to building a great family. We've talked about all kinds of other things and advice from Scripture, uh, but this morning I kind of want to talk about the relationship between the church and building a great family. Uh, And some of that's pretty straightforward. We've talked about this. God is the author of family, amen? And that, that's, that's, he's the one that built it, designed it. You know, he's the one that guides us in it, uh, in that process. But strangely enough, we live in a time where there has been for some decades now, uh, a pretty steady decline in, in church attendance. People just aren't going to church like they used to. Uh, they're going less frequently, all of those sorts of things. And after COVID, there was a huge drop, uh, like half. Churches have been cut in half, and it's not just us. It's churches all over Marysville. I'm in contact with those pastors and all over Western Washington because I'm in contact with those pastors through our denomination. Um, and, and so it's, it's been a difficult thing as I've watched that because there are consequences <laughs> to that, uh, and those consequences um, can be pretty, pretty negative. And, and some of the reason that that's happened is a younger generation especially is kind of pulling away from church in no small part because of some bad press we've received over the years. And, and honestly, the Church of Jesus Christ deserves some of that. <laughs> we have done some things and said some things that we deserve to be criticized for. Uh, we've, we've kind of done things to alienate people that God loves, to push them away, to imply that God doesn't love them. Uh, we've mixed politics and, and spirituality. We've done a bunch of, bunch of stuff like that, that. But the truth of the matter is this. The vast majority of pastors and churches are doing good work, loving people, serving people in the name of Jesus, preaching the word of God, and trying to make a difference in their community. Amen? Okay. The problem is the bad apples always get the press. Have you noticed that? Okay. And so it's, it's, and every field has these fields, right? You know, it's never the, the vast majority of great cops that love and serve their communities. They don't make the news. <laughs> you know, which ones make the news, right? You know, uh, every, every field is like that. Churches is like that. And, and just to be honest, so as we're putting this on the table, this has happened recently in our community. It's happened a number of times since I've been in this community and it happened recently. If you saw the paper, you saw a person who called himself a pastor that was a drug dealer in our community. 
community. And I'm just like, oh my word, right? So you understand why sometimes people are going, okay, those, those people are, are phonies, they're, they're, not, they're not real. And yet, there is something very powerful about good church. Say good church. Yeah, and, and I know that's not a real technical term, but I like it because it makes it easier for me to remember. So and kind of trying for that idea, I, um, I, uh, on our uh, Facebook pages, by the way, if you're new, uh, we have uh, a family Facebook page, which is internal, uh, and we have a prayer page as well as our external one. Excuse me, I'm going to cough. <coughs> and so uh, I posted up, you know, tell me about your experience uh, as a child growing up in church. A good experience. I shared one of mine. I want to read some of these to you because they're, they're pretty good. Um, being a strong introvert, I always sat on the back row by myself. There was always a few kids who would come and sit with me. I thought of them as my angels. Isn't that good church, you know? Uh, the, the extroverts reaching out and loving some folks that were struggling, and you wouldn't believe that person was an introvert if you knew them. Uh, I, another one, I have this wonderful memory of a precious worship time and a very little, shorter than me, lady in the front seat waving her hanky. Any of you remember that in church? That was church, she says. I have another one of me standing on a pew next to my dad during worship, watching the tears stream down his face. So here's another one. This one is from my wife. A pie in the face as a teen because the VBS elementary girls lost the race against the boys to raise the most VBS offering that week. I think that's good church. I hope that's good church. I, like, yeah. I just like to eat it myself, not have it delivered. <laughs> um, in true 80s fashion, our church hosted a hallelujah festival on Halloween. They would set up booths much like you see done today. But my mom was in charge of the tour of heaven, complete with golden streets, a river of life, and singing flowers. One year, my friends and I wore, wore, wore roller skates and t-shirts with holes, calling ourselves the Holy Rollers. <laughs> I wish I'd gone to that church. <laughs> oh, the cheesy things we did in the 80s. How about the time we were supposed to go to Mount Rainier? This one comes from the church I grew up in. Someone called Craig slid off the road on the way to the Fillmore's. We spent the day hanging out at their house instead. But really, my favorite memories were of the family game nights after Sunday night church. My six-year-old son snuck a video, fishing, um, a video fishing pole into church service. He proceeded to sit in the very front row. During the sermon, he all of a sudden jerked it straight up as if he had hooked the fish. When he missed, he continued to play the game until the usher caught him, took away the game, and said he could have it after the service. My husband and I both giggled a few rows behind him. Sitting around a campfire with the high school youth group, our pastor playing his guitar and all of us singing. Any time with Pastor Peter Hutton and our group was special. There's a lot of really good church out there. There's a lot of things that are life-giving. And so this morning, I, I want to take us to uh, Matthew uh, chapter, uh, oh, there's the stories of good church. Sorry, I didn't get that up there. Uh, Matthew chapter 12, verses 47 through 50. If you have your Bibles and there's one uh, in the pew or if you can get it electronically and I will put them up, uh, up here as well. So let me, let me jump into this. This is a little different passage uh, that I, I think I pretty much misunderstood when I was growing up. So it says this. Someone told him, that's speaking to Jesus, he's been doing some teaching, and there's a big crowd, and they can't get to him. 
Your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you, okay? So mom has showed up and says, hey son, I want to talk to you. Next verse says, he replied to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? <gasps> I don't know about you, but when I, was, when I was growing up, if my mom had said, I want to talk to you and I didn't show up, life as I knew it came to an end, Okay. Pointing to his disciples, he said, so it gets worse, here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my mother and sister and brother. Uh, and so when, when I look at this, when I was growing up, uh, I, there was a couple of things I focused on. One of them was the, the kind of, you know, oh my goodness, I couldn't do that to my mom. But I'd also kind of heard this preached as kind of a rejection of, of family, right? You know, hey, you got to put the kingdom of God first, which that, that's true. But as I've looked at it over the years, that's not actually what it's saying. There's no place in there where he says, I reject my mom and my brothers. What he is doing is expanding the definition of family, Okay, he's pulling in those disciples and saying, this is a part of my family as well as my mom and, and, and my dad. It, it's, a, it's an increase in, in the people that we have this kind of familial responsibility uh, to one another with. And so here's where it gets good. I love this idea. Um, Jesus calls, us, calls uh, us his brothers and sisters. So look around. These are all your siblings, <laughs> Nervous laughter with a few of you out there. If you are a follower of Jesus, Jesus is your sibling. He's your brother or sister. He calls them into part of his family. Um, and in fact, I remember when I was growing up in church, and I grew up in church, I remember a time when we called each other brother and sister. Any of you, the rest of you remember all of that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, it'd be Brother Kramer over here, you know? And, and so that was a, a wonderful sort of thing. Uh, and so I, I want us to practice to a little bit on this. So look to the person next to you, and based on whether they're a man or a woman, call them brother or sister. <laughs> well, that felt awkward, didn't it? <laughs> it's funny to me, something that felt so comfortable years ago today feels a, a little awkward. And, and so I sometimes when I'm writing, especially to men, I'll say brother, you know, to them, just to say, you know, we are brothers in Christ. Uh, and, but, you know, I don't want to necessarily want to go back to that, but I think we did lose something in that. We, it creates, in calling one another brother and sister, it creates that understanding that we indeed are family, amen? That, that that's who we are, what we're about. And so Jesus expanded our understanding of family to include the church, the disciples. He, he lets us know that, that as, as the church body, we are brothers and sisters. Maybe not, you know, in the biological sense, but certainly in the more important sense, which is relationship. Because family is more about relationship than it is about blood, amen? That's what really makes it work. And, and God never intended that the singular nuclear family would stand against the storms of life by themselves, he always intended that there would be expanded, extended family and that the church would be your family and would be there with you. And my experience of church is that the church has been there for me in my darkest, deepest moments. And I want everyone to experience church like that. That's why we do life groups, because we can break it down. There's too many people to know everybody and all of that stuff so that you can have people that are there for you when you really need them to be there. And you can be there for others in those moments when they need you to be there. 
Here's the good name. Here's the good news. You are a part of a tribe. Okay, the tribe of generations community. That, that's us and the larger tribe, honestly, of our, of our denomination. When you're a part of a church, you are part of something bigger than yourself. And that's good news. So here's what I believe in all of my heart. We are family. Amen? This has become a thing we've kind of talked about. Family, friends who are like family, friends who are often closer than family. Church is meant to be good. It's meant to be fun. It's meant to be like a healthy family. I don't know about you. When my family gets together, we laugh and we tell jokes and we tell funny stories on one another and there's joy and there's fun. Wow, is that quiet? Is that not your family? Maybe not. Maybe not. If, if that's not your biological family, I hope that is the case in our church. Amen? I love what happens in our lobby after church when you guys stand around and talk and laugh so loud I can't hear the person I'm talking to. Well, I'll get over it. Okay, it, 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 that's healthy church and the connection with, with one another. That's what Jesus was talking about, expanding this into this larger thing that, that is a, a part of it. It's supposed to be fun. And honestly, just to be real, real frank with you, this is a core value for us at Generations Community Church. We believe this. This is a part of how we want to be formed together because I believe everything else flows out of family and family and being healthy church. We cannot be good news to the world if we're not healthy church. Amen? If we don't love one another uh, in, in our lives and in everything we do for you. And so I just, I just want to encourage you, get connected. Get connected. It's really easy to kind of sit and come and go, but get connected. Get in a small group. Get in a class. There's a great class on marriage that Robert's leading. That would be a good one to join. They're just a little ahead of you, but there's still time. Uh, get, in, get in a group. Our men's ministry has started back up. Guys, first Saturday of the month, we have a wonderful breakfast because Ann fixes it for us. In fact, you, yeah, yeah, let's give Ann a hand. Uh, uh, she fixes a great breakfast. You will not want lunch, okay, when, when she's done with you. So come and be a part of that. Get, get connected. Make friends. Do what you need to do. You, you extroverts, go find an introvert and drag them along to something because it's the only way they will get involved, okay? Part of the role, yeah, introverts are clapping because it's like, yay, somebody to drag me. So here's what I know. Your church family is an important part of building a great family, it's huge to what happened. And I don't know of any way to communicate this to you better than just simply to tell you stories about my own life. Between ninth and 10th grade, and that was back when we had junior high and high school, so we were just going in, into high school, a very good friend of mine, Teresa, we'd grown up together through a lot of years of school. She had scoliosis of the spine, and she, uh, during that summer, went out to Seattle to have a surgery to correct it, and she had a response to the anesthesia, and she died. And when you're that age and someone that close dies, it rocks your world. I didn't know how to process that. I didn't know what to think about that. My friends didn't know what to think about that. We didn't know where to go with any of that. And I, I remember going to camp that year, and, and I, I didn't know whether I wanted anything to do with the church or God or, or any of that. But there was a youth pastor there, and I opened up to him in a way I hadn't opened up to anybody. And he listened to me, and he prayed with me, and he talked with me, and he gave me a verse that has become my life verse from Isaiah 55, and just the beginning of it. My ways are not your ways. As the mountains are higher 
My ways are not your ways. Do you understand? And that, that change there, it didn't make it right. It didn't make it, I didn't understand all that. I still don't understand all of that. But I'm telling you, there was this sense that God is with me in the midst of it. And I am so thankful for a youth pastor, for the church that was there for me in that moment. Another time where the church was there for me, a powerful moment, was when I was a little kid growing up, and, and we were in this little bitty church, and there was this woman in our church called B. Klovik, uh, and B. Klovik loved people. In fact, she won a giant award. She was on the front page of the Seattle paper a long time ago for all of the girls she had fostered over the years, and she was a brave, brave woman because when we didn't have anybody to do the fifth and sixth grade boys in Sunday school, she volunteered. And if you've grown up in church, fifth and sixth grade boys is like, whoa, boy, you know. And so we went into that class, and I remember there was a group of us all about that same age in our church. There weren't very many, but we were a bunch of boys that age. She had a class of nothing but boys in there. And we had been terrorizing Sunday school teachers for quite a while, so we looked at her and we thought, oh, this is easy pickings, right? Because it was usually a guy that had to volunteer to teach us. And I remember as I was walking in there, there was this chair outside the door, and I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. I wonder why there's a chair, but didn't think about it too much went in there. And we decided that, um, that what we would do is we would kind of come after her. And so we came after her. And having led the charge, pretty soon I heard, Craig, I want you to go sit in the chair outside. I thought, no problem. That's not much of a punishment. I got out there and I sat down. And then I realized something I had not put together. And that is in that little church, the Sunday school classroom was right off of the sanctuary, just, just off the side there. And the adult Sunday school class, we only had one, met in the choir loft, which meant when I came out there and sat down, my dad saw me with all of his friends. I'll save you the rest of the story, but it was not pleasant when we got home, and none of us ever wanted to sit in the chair again. In fact, all she had to say was, do you need to sit in the chair? Nope, nope, I'll be good with all of that. B was one of those extraordinary people that could handle that kind of stuff and loved us to death. I don't remember a single lesson she taught us. I do remember this. B. Kalavik loved a bunch of squirrely boys that were getting in trouble all the time. Thanks be to God for the church. Good church is good for us. Amen? And I am here to tell you that the church is impacting your children in ways you probably won't know about for years. It was years and years before I told B what a difference she had made in my life. It was years and years before I told that youth pastor what difference he had made in my life. And I am telling you there's something incredibly powerful about investing in the next generation, about being good church for people who are just beginning to learn what church means. You see, I believe we are meant to live and love together. Say, together. Yeah, as one body um, and as a part of what Christ would have for us. And some of you, I know, didn't have the opportunity to grow up in, in good church and you haven't experienced that. And honestly, there's a little temptation to think, well, you know, it's almost like, you know, something you grocery store. You go to church when you can and when you need stuff. Uh, but, but that's not really what it's meant to be. It's meant to be a community, okay? And for me, I grew up again in a good church and we were at church all the time. Anyone want to say amen? I didn't know you could go to church that much. I didn't know people did anything other than that. And here's what I know. The, 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 parent, the, the adults in that church were like parents to me. And I needed lots of parents, okay? It's a different world. The kids in the church were like cousins to me. 
You know what cousins are? Cousins are the folks you get in trouble with. <laughs> and I will spare you the stories of all the things I did growing up and, and in that church, because some of them are embarrassing, but I'm telling you there was just a sense of community and love, and that little church loved on that ADHD squirrely boy that I was. And I never, ever doubted that the people in that church loved me. And that's what held me when everything else was gone. When I, I became a follower of Jesus as a, you know, a little sixth grade or six-year-old, but then in high school you kind of get so you come back to that and you have to reaffirm it. And the thing that made me believe was after seeing all of the phonies and all of the crazy Christians that were doing nuts sort of things, there was a group of people in that church that I could not deny had something I didn't have. I knew that I knew that I knew that they were genuine Good church is good for your family. It's good for your, your soul. Uh, and, and honestly, folks, the greatest investment you can make of your life is in the next generation. Whether that be children or teens, and, and not necessarily volunteering, but if you want to volunteer, I'm sure they would like to hear from you. But, but however you do that, there's just something very powerful uh, about that. You don't have to have all the answers. You just gotta love them, amen? Because... Good church ultimately is life-giving. Okay, good church ultimately is life-giving. Yeah. Eh, let's try it again. Now, big time. Pretend like you actually believe in life-giving, okay? So, good church is life-giving. Yeah. Yes! It's such a part of what we are. It's where we live. What if we could be a church where every kid felt loved and affirmed? What, every one of them all of the time felt that way, that they would come in and it would be a positive input that would add value to our kids, that our kids and teens would love coming to church. Just before I walked into the sanctuary, there was some folks coming in, a, a grandma and some, some, some little ones, and, and she's kind of playing with our thing, and you know, you got to get the printout deal and put it on your kids and all of that. And I, it just warmed my heart because when she gave them the printout things, they ran down the aisle to be with their kids their friends in church. That's healthy church. That's good church. That's what we want to happen. Our children and our grandchildren would experience God in positive, wonderful kinds of ways, amen? So important that, that, that we understand that because there's so much junk being poured into the lives of children today. But in this place, it be, should be God's love radiating through us, amen? This place, the kingdom values matter, the greatest commandment is not make your children behave or have great worship music or listen to great preaching or know your Bible better than anyone else or even keep all the rules. The great commandment is love God with your whole being and love the people around you like family. Amen? That's what we want to be in our lives. And I think maybe one of the best ways I can tell you about this is cherish your children, and let's be a church that cherishes and delights in, in, our, in our children in so many kinds of ways. I'm at the grandparent stage, and, and this is just kind of confessional. I hope my kids aren't listening, but it is easier to delight in your grandchildren than it is your children. <laughs> yeah, you all get it, right? The children's stage, you're raising them, and you got to discipline, you got to do all of that. When my kids came in over Christmas, I delighted in my grandchildren. It was so wonderful to look at them and play with them and, and all of those sorts of things. I even got into RC boats because my grandson likes RC boats, right, you know? And so we, did, we were out the lake doing all of that kind of thing and, and there's this like expensive boat going and I'm thinking, we're gonna lose the boat. You know what the difference between a grandparent and a parent is? I didn't care. 
<laughs> it's like, we lose the boat, I'll buy another boat, you know. My son would have been like, what is wrong with you, Dad? You know, because when he was growing up, it's like, no, it's a boat, you know. But God loves you like a grandparent loves you. God delights in you. God loves you more than you love your grandchildren. I've always told you, God loves you more than your children. He loves you more than you love your grandchildren as well. And he delights in you more than you delight in your grandchildren. Not because there's anything wrong with your delight, but his capacity for love and delight is, is greater than you. So let me turn one more corner here real quick. Jesus took the idea of the church way out of our comfort zone, way out of our comfort zone. In the Lord's Prayer, when, when Jesus says, our Father, I mean, we just read that casually, but you have to understand in the first century, Jews didn't even say the name of God. To call God our Father was like, sacrilegious practically. It's how dare you do that? And yet Jesus was pushing his disciples to this intimacy with their heavenly father. It was, it was way too familiar, but it was the way Jesus taught us. And, and then look at this, this Roman. Christians went crazy with this stuff. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. Thanks be to God. Okay. Uh, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons and daughters. I love this. You know what the difference between adopted and born kids is? You get to pick the adopted kids. It's a roll of the dice with the biological ones, you know? <laughs> I love our adopted families. There's, adoption is so, I don't have the time. Adoption is a great, great concept, okay? Sons and daughters, by which we cry out, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that our children, that we are children of God. Um, and, and so sonship, this idea of sonship, the sons and daughters, has the idea of rights. So you're adopted. God chose you. And then you're a son or a daughter. You have rights and privileges and, and access. A, a child has access to their parents in a way that, that nobody else does in, in their life. And the Abba, is a, it's Aramaic, which is um, probably the language Jesus spoke naturally, you know, uh, Greek and, and Hebrew, and those Hebrew was spoken in the synagogue, but, but Aramaic was his everyday kind of language, and it was a language that children used to, re it was a word children used to refer to their father. Some have said daddy. I did not call my dad daddy. I called my dad dad, okay? But that's what it is. It's that intimate kind of closeness with all of that, and, and people have called their, their, their dads all kinds of things. My son calls me Pops, not sure where that came from or why that is, but he calls me Pops. And, and for a while it bugged me, but then I realized there's no one else that gets called Pops. So I'm, don't start calling me Pops. I can see the look in some of your eyes. Like, okay, I should have thought about that illustration before. Had a man in my last church who, um, he came out of a really wicked life. Uh, he spent a lot of time in prison and there's a whole long story, addiction and I won't, I won't share all of that, but when he got saved, he got transformed in a big kind of way. And, and he had known the difficulty of a very, very, very legalistic religion in the, in the Midwest. And, and uh, the way he would start his prayers was this, Papa God. And the first time he did that, I was like taken back because I was right out of seminary and I knew everything there was to know and you didn't talk to God as Papa. I was wrong. <laughs> And the intimacy that he had with a father because he understood more than anybody what it meant to be forgiven, to be made new in Christ. Jesus invites us into that intimate relationship with our heavenly fa father. We're adopted and we're a part of what he wants and he delights in us. And so I want to teach you a word. Uh, other than some of you, anyone know what, how to say that word? It's alelan. Say alelan. Okay, it kind of sounds like um, 
all alone, only it's all alone, all alone, okay? And it means one another. Say one another. That's what this passage, look at John 13, 34, it says this, a new commandment I give you, love all alone, one another. As I have loved you, so you must love all alone, one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love Alelon, excellent. It's the idea of, of togetherness. It's, it's people that have relationship with one another, that are connected, that, that have this mutuality, that are family, that are family. And this is the 11th commandment. I command you that you love Alelon, one another. And, and Christ offers us this opportunity for this one anotherness. See, one of great, God's greatest gifts to the church, through the church, is learning to love people you don't like. Okay, warning, I'm about to go from preaching to meddling, okay? So just so you know, get your shields up, get ready for for all of that. Here's the truth of the matter. Loving people you don't like is good for you. It's good for you. A few of you are going, nodding slowly. Nobody says amen. I love this part of sermons. One of the most extraordinary gifts you can give to your children, however, is modeling loving difficult people. Amen? Amen? I know this because I lived this out in my life. My dad, who I absolutely loved, and, 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 but he had his own set of issues, and one of the issues was there was a woman in our church, a very tiny church, that he absolutely could not stand. Just her voice made him like this, and she was deeply involved, and we're talking a church of 40, right? So you cannot get away from it. He couldn't avoid her, it was difficult. Every time they had an altar call, he'd come down to the altar to confess that he'd had a bad attitude about her and ask God to do a work in him. And some people think, oh man, that's just a poor example for your son. You know what really impressed me? Is that my dad cared so much about getting this loving one another down that is willing to do anything to get there. And I've carried that with me all of my life. That it's, 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 the measure of our love isn't loving the people we like. That's easy. The measure of our love is loving the ones that drive us crazy. Amen? That's what Christ called us to. And I've been forever impacted by that. So here's what, I, as we kind of wrap up, if the, the band could come. The Craig Laughlin translation of Alelone is Framley. And if you came in, you saw this on our wall right over here, and people will wonder why we did that. We are family. Love one another. Hey, John 13, 34, that I just chose you. Because I so desire this core value of family, this core value of connectedness for us as a church, that I put it on the wall because I don't want you ever to forget. And every time you come in, I want you to be reminded, we are family. Okay, one of you believe in our core values. <laughs> I need to work on this a little bit more. I mean, honestly, I got nothing to do. We can be here for a while. The Super Bowl doesn't start till 3.30. Let me try that again. <laughs> I want you to believe and embrace this and be formed that we are family. Yeah. There we go. I guess we'll all make it in time for the Super Bowl and all of this. <laughs> so we've been talking about this, you know, how to raise a great family without losing your mind. The church is essential. And I know it's kind of awkward because like I'm a part of the church, I get paid by the church, all of that. But this is the word of the Lord. And I want to encourage your families, make sure your kids are in church. Make sure they're building relationships. When your teenager gets to that stage where he's beginning to move away from mom and dad, that's a normal part of a development. And he's looking for other adults to be meaningful in his life. 
you want it to be Reese, not a drug dealer downtown, amen? Because he's going to give relatively the same advice as you, only he's going to say it way cooler than you do. So it's just a part of it. So my final question to you, as I do often, is Jesus is asking you to do with what you've heard today. I, I don't know how that works out for you, but I know for all of us, there are applications. Maybe some of you need to volunteer in our teen department or our children's department or some way. Maybe you need to give resources. Maybe you need to give resport. Maybe there's something else you need to do. I, I, I don't know. But this is a question worth asking. What is Jesus asking you to do with what you've heard today? Amen? Amen. As we uh, wrap up here, and we're about to sing again. Um, we're going to go into a time of prayer, and the song is prayerful. This is one of the great songs of the church. It is well with my soul. And you know the story of the loss and, and all that went with that story. And, and so as, as we come into this time of prayer, you sing along. I invite you to do that. If you need to sit and pray, do that. We're going to have a couple of our, uh, our, myself and our elders, Christina, if you could come down here in front if you'd like somebody to pray with you. You can come down to the front and pray if you would like to do that. Uh, But if you would like to get to know God or if you would like to pray for any reason, we would be happy to do that. We have anointing oil down here if you would like us to anoint you with oil and pray for healing in your life. But I invite you in these moments to pause and listen to the Spirit of the living God and let Him come in and let Him make whatever's broken well in your life. Let's sing. Hey, church family. Thank you for watching this video. It is amazing that you consider this your church home. If you do consider this your church home, we would ask that you would share this video with a friend. If God has been speaking to you, we would hope that you would share this message. As always, like and subscribe so that you don't miss a single video and tune in each Sunday at 10 a.m. on our live stream or you can join us in person. We'll see you next week. God bless.